Love. Love well. It's our week three into our Love Well series, and I hope that you've all grown in your love because the reality is that's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. Because without love, as it says there, as it's quoting there from 1 Corinthians 13, as you heard, it's all about love. With love is the layer that has to be there. And everything throughout Scripture is about love, from Genesis to Revelation. And so as we go through this series of Love Well, last week, um, Pastor Greg Pratt you know, talked about how we need to speak love in our words and how important those words are and the impact it makes on people. And today we're going to talk about something that's probably related to that, but it's going a bit deeper in, in what love is and in, in, in when it's hard. And as I get into this topic, um, I really want to, well, I might just pray that God will help us all, because I think the message today is actually going to hit hard, because it hits hard for me as I'm preparing for this sermon, as I'm ex- examining my own life, I say, man, this hits hard, because I'm far from loving like I should. And so, yeah, let me just pray as, as we open. Lord, I just pray that as we explore this subject today of hard love, loving when there's conflict, loving when someone's not loving us. Lord, it's hard then, loving those who are really our enemies. Lord, speak to us now and help us to grow in your love. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at this subject of a hard love, and uh, the first scripture here really outlines that really where love comes from and God's called us to share love is because he is love. And when he created Adam and Eve, it was all about love. The reason he created Adam and Eve is he wanted someone to love and to love him back. That was the basis. You know, I've never found any other reason more than that. He just wanted to have a relationship. But that relationship was broken because sin came in. And that, that cause of sin is really what continues to cause us to not really love the way we're meant to is because we're all infected with sin. So it's, it's a worse thing than any um, COVID-19 virus. This virus has killed millions and millions and it continues to kill until eventually God puts an end to it. And this virus is something that none of us can wear a face mask to protect ourselves or use enough hand sanitizer because we're born with it and we can't change that. But the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of God's love is he loved us so much that he sent his son to come and to pay the price. In a way, he's the vaccine. Jesus is the vaccine and we all need that vaccine. None of us can have God's love and be reconnected with God without it. And that's a powerful and wonderful thing. And so as we set this foundation and as we look through Scripture, we find that right through Scripture, we see that man just continues to just go off track. God has to kind of bring him back. 
And still today, we're continuing to get off track. And we look through Bible stories, and I know, especially as I go through the Old Testament, I find time and time again, I'm saying, what were they thinking? Or, or, or how could that be right? But yet somehow, God weaves through and works through mankind. And his purposes continue to be fulfilled. And that is a wonderful thing. But what's hard is us actually being able to follow the commands of Jesus. And this next verse I bring up in Luke 6, it says, But you are, who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. How good are you guys at that? Yeah. I see, I see a lot of nodding. We're, we're pretty honest about that. Um, you know, it's not hard to love someone when they love us. You know, they do nice things. They cook meals for us. They, they do things for us. You know, that's not hard to love people back like that. But when someone talks about us, when they do things that hurt us, when they tell lies about us or they take from us, you know, that's hard. That's hard love. But he's called us to do it. We need to love those and do good to them. Man, there needs to be spiritual intervention. As I think about um, people within this church, many of you that are sitting here now have had experiences, even since I've been here over the last five years, where your, your privacies have been invaded, you've been robbed. There's quite a few robberies I know of. Your house has been broken into. And, um, you know, things have been stolen. Um, I know of people here who have had um, scammers that have taken significant amount of money from them. You know, that's the sort of thing. And, um, you know, one of our members who, who, who had a really significant scammer that really took a, a significant amount of money, I sat down with that person and we prayed for that scammer. You know, and, and that's what Jesus tells us. If we pray for our enemies, and if you're struggling with... With, with feeling resentment and bitterness and, and, and uh, wanting revenge, you know, the starting place is to give it to God. And we do that by praying. And, um, you know, it, it's not easy. Back in 2010, my mother and father-in-law lived in Sunbury. And um, they had an issue. Some of the neighbors kids, they weren't too young, they were teenagers or maybe even in their early 20s, they were jumping the fence and going into their shed and smoking drugs. They found evidence, my father-in-law did. And one night, my father-in-law heard some noise and went out to the shed. It was about one in the morning. It's after midnight, I know. Um... Didn't actually catch him, but he had heard them out there. And when he came back, the stress, the anxiety of having someone invade your house led to him going into cardiac arrest. My mother-in-law laid there, rang, tried CPR, ambulance came. My father-in-law didn't survive that night. We got the call about three or four in the morning. Jeff had passed away. And I asked Karen if I could share this story because I asked her, you know, um, 
you know, have you forgiven that young guy, who, whoever he is? Because the first reaction, you know, I know her brothers were just wanting to go and bash him. And Karen says, no, I've forgiven him. But she was very honest about it. She says, you know, it comes back and I have to remind myself to, to forgive. You know, forgiveness isn't easy when someone's hurt you. It's not easy. It's hard. As we go on and we look at some amazing people, uh, this is um, a very famous black American in early American history, Booker T. Washington. And uh, he's got some great, great quotes. And here he says, Success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles by which he has overcome. You know, and, and we all have obstacles that we have to overcome. This past week, if we had time to share, you guys would be able to tell me some obstacles you've had to overcome. Some have had to, very big obstacles. Some have had to face death. It's one of the biggest obstacles we have to face in this life. But as Christians, we know that death is not the end. There is hope. How do we love our enemies? We can only do this by allowing God's Spirit to come into our heart. It's hard to actually be something we're not. And sometimes as Christians, we fall short. Well, often we do. And we've got to just keep coming back to our knees. Coming back and say, God, change my heart. Help me to love my enemies. I mean, most of us have been burned by someone. Most of us have had things happen that are very, very hurtful, go very deep. You know, thinking back over the years and, you know, some of the people that have really been struggling with problems. I remember a young lady once that was bulimic, you know. And as I worked with her and I heard her story, and I could see that the reasons... I didn't understand them. You know, we can never understand someone else. Even if we try to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, we can't really. And even though sometimes our situation is similar, we can never know exactly what's caused a person to be who they are and struggle with the things they struggle with. I deal a lot with people who have you know, drug and alcohol addictions. And most of the time as we, you talk to those people and uh, we find that there's reasons. It doesn't say that, hey, you know, they had no choice. And this is where choosing to, to love, even when it's hard, is so important for us as Christians. Because if we continue to hold uh, hurt and resentment and regret and shame, it's going to destroy us. It affects us physically. You know, you've heard that saying about, you know, holding, uh, hating someone or, or wanting res- um, bi- holding bitterness to someone is like you um, drinking poison and expecting them to die, you know, because it's affecting you. It's your mind. It affects your heart rate. It affects your, your, your own body and its systems, and it's not healthy. There's many good Christians who have lived short lives and um, it's not because they didn't have a good diet or exercise. It's because of the, 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 um, the stress 
and the burdens that they carried that they didn't have to if they'd just given it to God and allowed Him by praying and let Him take those things from us. Peter, click the next slide. There we go. You know, here, here's another famous black American. And, you know, you can, some people can think what they can, but he certainly had a great cause. Um, some of his lifestyle choices probably, you know, wouldn't be what many of us as Christians would think was really good. But, you know, the man has amazing leadership. And he said this, Martin Luther King Jr., love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Again, if we're praying for someone, is the best antidote for us trying to get over resentment, bitterness. Whether it's hurting you in a physical way, in a materialistic way, whatever it is, that hurt is real. And as human beings, we just want to blame people. You know, that seems to be the case. It goes right back to creation um, and, and, and sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, what's the first thing Adam did? Oh, well, he pointed his finger. Well, she, 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 she made me do it. And what did she do? Points her finger at the snake. The snake made me do it, you know. It's, it's human nature. When we make mistakes, we point the finger at someone else. But the thing about life, guys, is that we all have our perspective. And our perspective is usually, you know, right for us because that's our perspective. But again, we're not living in someone else's shoes. Our minds all think a bit differently. Our experience has been different. And God says, hey, I know you. And it's really only God that knows us better than we know ourselves. And he's the one that can lead us and guide us to help us in this area when it's hard to love. You know, God's love is described in Scripture. The ultimate divine love is described as agape love. There's different words for different types of love, but the ultimate love of God is agape love, which is unconditional love. And this is the love God has for every person. Agape love is a love he has even for the person out there that curses him, even he had for the ones that hung him on the cross. Jesus is our perfect example of how to love our enemies. But it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. One more quote I had from Martin Luther King is, We must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is de devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. You know, just, just contemplate that for a minute. You know, so true, isn't it? We've all got good in us, and we've all got bad in us. But God says, hey, I want to bring out the good, and I want to help you deal with the, the bad. And I'm, I'm certainly not preaching that any of us are going to reach perfection, but I think as Christians, we should be growing in God's love. We should be a more loving person today than we were yesterday. 
And so as we come to church next week, if we're really growing in Christ, you know, it's exciting to think as a body of Christ that we can be a truly representing Jesus and loving more and more. Love God. Love people. That's what it's all about. It's what the Ten Commandments are about. It's what Scripture's about. It's, it's about what we are on about as Christians. If you read that love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 that was quoted in the bumper, you know, that, that chapter is all written following 1 Corinthians 12. And have a read through 1 Corinthians 12 because it's talking about the body of Christ, which is God's church. We're the body of Christ. And we're all part of that body. And as we are all serving, the way we got to do it is in love. And so as that chapter finishes it, finishes in 12, there's a little verse that links to 1 Corinthians 13. And it simply says, this is the way you should do it. And it goes into 1 Corinthians 13. I pray that God will help us as a church and individually to, to be able to do that. But it's not easy. Let's, let's read what Jesus says. Here on the Sermon on the Mount, you know, we could preach a whole year from bits on the Sermon on the Mount. What a powerful sermon Jesus preached. And here he says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now this gets a bit personal now. This gets a bit scary. This actually puts the pressure on. How many of us want to be forgiven by God? We accept that. But he says, hey, you haven't really accepted it if you're not passing that on. Now, this is a verse just after the Lord's Prayer. And even in the Lord's Prayer, it says, you know, forgive my debtors as they forgive um, those who, who um, trespass against me. You know, and again, he repeats it at the end of the prayer, this verse here in 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't... Beware. Because what it means is that you aren't actually surrendering. And as Christians, that's what it's all about. It's us surrendering to self, because that's the root of evil. That's the root of sin. The middle letter of sin is I, and all of us struggle with it. And so it's only as we recognize that and we say, Lord, I surrender my will to you. Because even though whatever your, your position is in leadership in the church or in your workplace or in your family, whether you're a mom or a dad or a son or daughter, we all have our perspective and we all like to be right. Because that's human nature. And Jesus, if we look at his example, he didn't go around correcting people all the time. He went around showing love. He did teach, but he did it in a very clever way. It wasn't a way of going and um, pointing out very obviously all their sins. It was basically getting people to recognize their sins themselves by seeing God's great love. You know, it's not a, our, our job as Christians to be pointing out people's sins. The Holy Spirit is what convicts us of sin. So all we need to do is point to God, point to God's word, and let the Holy Spirit do his job. And it's not us to, to judge someone and to go saying, you know, well, you're not a good person because you said this or you told this lie or you did this thing. You know, that's, that's not the place. But I do believe that God wants us as a church to be growing 
and to be good examples. And so there is a responsibility there. And so if we're following this, if we're forgiving others, if we're following this example that Jesus has said, that we're, we're accepting his forgiveness, and because of that, we're forgiving others, that's a very powerful thing. And then we go to this chapter 18, and chapter 18 of Matthew, if you don't know, is known as being kind of the reconciliation chapter. You know, if you have conflict, you know, the Christian way to handle it is you go to, to Matthew 18. And here in uh, verses 21 and 22 is where Peter is, 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 is um, addressing Jesus and, and, and asking, you know, how, many, how much should I forgive someone? You see, what Peter does here in Jewish culture, it was okay to forgive someone once, twice, and three times. But once someone's, you've done it three times, you don't have to do it anymore. So Peter here is thinking, wow, I'm going to be extra special. I'm going to impress Jesus. And so he says, you know, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Maybe seven times. You know, he was going the extra mile. And Jesus takes that and, and turns it upside down because he says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, you know, if you're good at math, you can quickly come up with that's 490 times. So I need to keep a little chart and keep a track. I don't think that's the point. And there's lots of things you could look into here with that number 490, but I don't have time to go into that. But the point is, Jesus is saying, we shouldn't be counting. We've got to keep forgiving and keep forgiving and keep forgiving. Now, I'm not saying that we should be doormats and we should let people keep taking advantage of us. But listen, you know, we read earlier that we should do good to our enemies. You know, I recently had a situation. I went to, from Marketplace on Facebook to buy some stools. And I was actually buying them for someone else. But those that know me, is I'm, I'm a big haggler. Uh, I'm always looking to save a dollar. A bit, bit, probably too much. And I went to buy these stools, and the person said they'd pay the price they were asking, but, you know, here's me. It comes from my dad. He's a salesman, and so I started haggling a bit, and the girl wasn't impressed. And she got cranky, and she just went in and wasn't going to sell me the stools. And then her, whoever, boyfriend or husband, comes out with a baseball bat, kind of... <laughs> Now, my first reaction, I didn't get violent, but, but I got, you know, I got um, scared. I got a bit defensive, you know, um, protective probably as well. But um, it, it was a bit scary. But, you know, I, I, things like that can eat up at you. But again, what have I done to help me release? I don't know what that guy was going through. I don't know what he thought. You know, I don't even know what... His girlfriend or whatever said to him that I said, but, you know, it obviously upset him and he was, maybe he was just trying to impress her or something. I don't know. But, you know, when it comes down to it, do I want to have, he wanted to smash my face in is what he told me. So I guess, do I want to smash his face in or do I want to love him and pray for him to be in the kingdom? You know, I want him to be in the kingdom. 
And I say that from the bottom of my heart. And at times, if I think about it, I can find those feelings come back up where I want to get even. I want to go back and, you know, show them, hey, you had no right to come and, and, and make those kind of threats. I didn't do anything that bad. But again, I don't know his story. I'm not in his shoes. He's a child of God, just like I am. He's loved and treasured. Hard love. Love is hard. No, I didn't. So the, the person that wants the stools, I don't know. I think they're coming up this weekend to pick up the dog. Maybe they're going to get them themselves. But Anyway, you can talk to my wife about that. Oh, I do want to go into Matthew 18 a little bit. We don't have a lot of time, so I'm not going to go a lot to Matthew 18. But I do want, you know, this is, is a great chapter to read if you want to deal with conflict. But, but I want to encourage you to read the whole conflict, the whole chapter, because what people often pick out is when it says when you have an issue with someone, then you go and talk to the person about it and you try to work it out. And if that doesn't work, then you get a couple of other people as witnesses and you go and you try to work it out. And if, if that doesn't work out, then you bring, them, bring it to the church and, you know, and, and then you, you, you settle it, you know, that way. But, you know, I think a lot of times that's taken out of context and it's taken in a way that's really what this is about redemption. It's about healing. And it's about us being willing to be humble. And I guess if some people are so stubborn that they're not going to somehow be willing to say, okay, I made a mistake, even though I don't realize I made a mistake, or some, some come to the conclusion that, hey, we're going to agree to disagree. But, you know, sometimes we as human beings can be so stubborn, we don't care, we're not going to change our mind no matter what. And I guess if it comes down to that, you know, and other people can see that, then, you know, it might come a point where that person has to be dealt with. But the much easier road to go is for us to be humble and realize, why are we here? We are here to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are here to be people who are humble and are saved through the grace. Um, you know, that, that chapter also brings out a, a parable about the, uh, sometimes called the unforgiven servant. But it's about a king who had... Um, Someone that owed him lots and lots of money. So much money that person could never pay back ever. And this king says, I'm going to wipe your debt. I'm going to wipe it clean. A person, oh yeah. And this person goes and has someone that owes him just a little bit of money. And comes down really hard and says, I'm going to, you're going to pay this or else. You know, the point is, how much have we all been forgiven? What, what? What Jesus is saying here, we've all been forgiven more than we could ever pay back because we are all sinners. And Jesus came and paid with his life. And because of that, we should be able to forgive others. Early in, I think, verses 3 and 4 in chapter 18, it talks about us being like children, that we must be like children. You know, and it's something about children. Children don't seem, they seem to get over things quickly. You know, they can have a fight with someone, even with brothers and sisters or maybe with a friend at school, but they don't seem to hold a lot of bitterness and, and, and long-term, um, you know, just resentment. They seem to get over it. And I think, I think there's a lesson in that. There's something that we can learn as adults 
that we do have to kind of be able to be like children and just kind of trust God. And even though we have maybe not gotten our way, or things haven't worked out the way we'd like to, that we could just accept it that they are what they are, and we can just keep loving someone even though they've done us wrong. You know, I, I would encourage you to read through that whole chapter. It also tells the story of the lost sheep in that chapter. And I found this interesting because if you read the lost sheep in like Luke, which I love the story, he, he connects the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son all together. But here, Matthew just brings out the one story from those three stories Jesus told, and it's the lost sheep. And I kind of feel like what Jesus is saying here is, is what's a priority is those who are lost. And we as a church somehow, some, sometimes can be so caught up with trying to work out our own difficulties and differences and differences of opinions within the church that we lose what's important, and that's getting out there and saving the lost sheep. And I just want to encourage us to not allow that, because I think the evil one just loves it. And I've, I've, been at, I've seen churches close because they've been at board meetings standing up yelling and throwing cheers at each other. And, and, and it's a reality. I, I mean, that's a true story. You know, that, that's not what church is about. And we've got to allow the healing. Okay. We, we sometimes can't control, you know, when the blood rushes to the head, we feel anger. I've shared with you many times, anger's been something that's cursed me all my life. And I still struggle with it. But I continue to allow God to let me to grow. And I look, I think I've come a long way, but I've got a long way to go too. And it's only as I surrender and I humble to God each day that he helps me with this. You know, th this is again where we are so arrogant sometimes as human beings. And I think somehow it makes us feel better when we can see someone else doing something wrong because somehow we don't see then our own faults. And that's really, again, what Jesus is saying. Again, on the Sermon on the Mount here in Matthew 7. And he says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have what? A log in your own. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you and get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. But, you know... As Christians, and I'm as guilty as anyone. I'm a pastor, so I'm probably more guilty than most of us. Somehow, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, I, I, I'm okay. Why? Maybe because I'm preaching or I'm doing Bible studies. And I'm doing, but I'm not okay. I'm only okay of who I am in Christ. And as Christians, sometimes we can have two problems. One is we can, you know, be so self-indulged and arrogant that we, you know. We think we're pretty, pretty great. Or, or we just don't have the confidence that we should, not in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ. We need to find our identity in Christ. And in Christ, he's made us to be people who are aqueducts for his love. To just flow through. To flow through. So... What is that log? For all of us, it's different things, but what I like to say it often is, is, is our own arrogance, our own, um, 
I guess, view of, of thinking we're right, thinking we have it all figured out, our lack of being able just to be humble. And again, I'm not talking to anyone, I'm talking to myself. Because it's, it's a human thing. You're not alone if you struggle with these things. Click the next slide, Peter. I'm not sure it's not. There we go. And so as I kind of wind it up, because we could go on and on. It's such a big subject, but, you know, we have to kind of come to an end for today. But I just want you to, to keep this as something that is the forefront of where you are in your spiritual journey. As you talk to God, you know, ask him to search your heart. And help to change you. You know, living a life of anger, living a life with bitterness and jealousy, it's a horrible thing. You know, the greatest example of forgiveness is, 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 um, was uh, uh, referred to um, in my wife's devotional this morning, is a boy named Joseph. And I'm not going to take time to go through it, but if you don't know the whole story of Joseph, man, what a powerful story. There's not, you know, at 17, he was sold to slave traders by his brothers. And many of those brothers would have actually killed him. If a few of them hadn't stopped him. And Joseph is hauled off to slave trade. Can you just imagine what he must have felt like? You know, I can hear his cries out. Brothers, brothers, don't do this. As he's being hauled off in chains. He's taken to Egypt, foreign country. A place where he doesn't know the language. He doesn't know the customs. It'd been so easy just to blame God. It'd be so easy just to give up. But Joseph didn't. You know, he learned. He did his best. He tried to be the best person he could be. He learned the language. He learned the customs. He was sold off to Potiphar. And it didn't take long that his leadership... And his character came through. And Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household. But then again, what happens? He's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife who has a, makes a, go, a pass at him. And he's put in jail for something he didn't even do. Again, he could have just said, man, this is ridiculous. God doesn't love me. God's not looking after me. I give up. But he didn't. And eventually... By Joseph's faithfulness, by him staying faithful in these terrible circumstances that God did bring him through. You know, we can all be a bit like Peter sometimes. And, and Peter, most of us can relate to Peter. You know, Peter was, you know, he was trying to press Jesus as we read earlier, was saying, oh, I would forgive seven times. You know, all he wanted to do was just to be, hey, I want to be the vice president when he becomes president. You know, that was his selfish thoughts. Are we guilty of that? Yeah. We're always, it's human nature to think of me, myself, and I. It's my prayer that we can be more like Joseph. That we can be more about serving others. And when God does put us in a position of authority and leadership, that we can have true forgiveness for those that put us or did us wrong in the past. Because the beauty of that story of Joseph is eventually when his brothers come to get food from him, he had his chance for revenge. 
He could have got it, and he could have got it good. He wasn't real sure. He went through a process of testing them to see if they've changed. But already he had forgiven them. And they were reunited. You know, and, and if Joseph had not forgiven, I mean, it would have changed all of destiny from Moses and the 12 tribes. And everything was based on that reconciliation, that love. I don't know what's in store for Gold Coast Central, if you're visiting today, whatever church you're part of. But, you know, we don't know the ramifications of our decisions. And if we choose to stand for what's right, we choose to love even when it doesn't seem easy, when it's hard. What impact that can make for God's kingdom. It's my prayer as a church that we can truly be a church that's impacting God's kingdom because we're working together as the body of Christ, letting God's love flow through us. And I just want to put up one more scripture. Oh, this is another Booker T. Washington I, I missed. If you want to lift yourself up, lift up someone else. It's about service. But I want to I'll just put up this last one. These, these are the words of Jesus. You know, he died on that cross for us. And can you imagine the forgiveness of those who tortured him, beat him, put a crown of thorns on his head, nailed him to a cross, and he says, forgive them. That's hard love. And if he can do it, we can do it with his help. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he suffered Lord, he could have called on 10,000 angels. He could have got revenge, but he didn't because he was an aqueduct of your love. Lord, may we too be something your love flows through. And Lord, help us in those areas where it's hard. Help us with those difficult people. And sometimes they're within our families. Sometimes they're within our church. Sometimes they're within our workplace. But wherever those difficult people is, I pray that you will help us to love them that you'll help us to show kindness to them, even when we don't feel they deserve it. And especially as a body, as your church. May you help us to build your holy kingdom. Thank you, Father. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.